Hello, and welcome to The Growth-Minded Marriage. My name's Kevin, and I'm joined by my wife, Mary. We are a uniquely ordinary Midwest couple pursuing what it means to live our values out loud, release expectations, and dedicate ourselves to growth and the pursuit of our most authentic selves together. Welcome to this really special bonus episode. Kevin and I are excited to share about how we manage the Easter Bunny in our family and just our viewpoint on what can be maybe a bit of a tricky subject. And we thought it was the perfect time to share since Easter is this upcoming Sunday. But also, honestly, this is a sneaky trick to boost our episode downloads total. We have been keeping track of the number of episodes downloaded since March 11th because we are donating $1 for every episode downloaded and giving the money to an organization that is working to prevent stillbirth and pregnancy loss. If you've listened to any of our episodes, you possibly have heard me give a little information about the nonprofit Count the Kicks. It is an organization that educates women to keep track of their baby's movement while they're still in utero, and it empowers women with the information to then take to their healthcare providers if they start to notice changes in their baby's movement or the duration of time it takes for their baby to move. And that nonprofit is important to us because of our good friends, Kelly and Pat. They lost their firstborn son, JP, when he was born still at 36 weeks. And Kelly and Pat really graciously shared that story in episode 15. It's called Growing Through Grief. If you're interested in hearing more of their story and hearing how their relationship has changed and grown since JP's death in 2016, then I really encourage you to go back and listen to episode 15. And if you've already listened to episode 15 and done your part and shared that episode with a friend or family member who you think it could help, then I say thank you. And also by tuning into this episode, you are again allowing $1 to be donated to Count the Kicks in your name for JP. So thank you. On April 11th, I am going to probably get on Instagram and let everyone know what that final tally is, but we've set our goal at 300 downloads, which means that 300 individuals from March 11th through April 11th will have downloaded any episode of Growth-Minded Marriage Podcast, which is really incredible to think of that 300 people out there have listened to Kevin and I and heard our story and allowed us to share our story with you. So it's just It's a really awesome thing. I actually just heard that Apple Podcasts announced they hit the 2 million mark for podcasts on their database. And I believe at the beginning of 2020, they were only at 1 million. So basically a million people since 2020 have made the decision like Kevin and I to share some part of their truth or their story or what they're interested in via a podcast. And that means a lot of people are taking risks. A lot of people have decided that They deserve a life that is maybe out of the ordinary, maybe a life they never thought that they were allowed to have or a life that they've not seen a lot of other people living. And certainly that's Kevin and I's journey. And so it just is really exciting time to kind of be in this podcast space and to think about the people who are listening to us right now. So you are one of those people. So thank you. And I also wanted to mention that the nicest, the best thing, the kindest thing you can do for any podcast, including ours, is to subscribe. When you subscribe to our podcast, it 
just ensures that the latest episode is automatically downloaded to your phone or your device, and it ensures that you're able to make the decision to listen to that episode if you choose or if it doesn't grab you. Certainly, you can pass and wait for one that does. On our back end, we can see how many people are subscribed and how many people are listening. And it just really makes a difference that we're not talking into a void, but that there are real humans on the other end of this microphone. And whether you reach out and say so or not are allowing us to be part of your life. So it's really an honor. And once you subscribe, you just ensure that Kevin and I come into your inbox every other Thursday. So the second nicest thing you can do for really any creative, I've realized, is to leave a review, to leave some feedback. Tell us what you think, if it's good, if it's bad, how it affected you. In terms of podcasting, it lets other people find our show and get a deeper understanding of who we are and what we're talking about and what sorts of people people listen to our podcast and what you like about it. So as you know, I'm sure reviews really are helpful as a consumer. And with 2 million podcast choices out there, the reviews are what allow people to stand out. So I wanted to take a few moments just to give a shout out to three people who have left some really kind reviews. These are three people that I actually know. So it's truly a personal thank you. And just to read your words, you know, it just made our day. And I want to encourage anyone out there, if an episode episode has been meaningful to you, really on anyone's podcast, or if a book's been meaningful to you, or an Instagram post, it makes a really big difference to these creative people behind all those screens and microphones if you reach out and say something. So I wanted to do the inverse and reach out and say thank you to L. Greggs 430, A.G. May 511, an MM batch. Thank you so much for those kind words. I won't go into detail with what you exactly said, but truly there were some awesome reviews. And it's because of people like you that really give Kevin and I the extra boost to keep going. We could be having these conversations in our bed, and honestly, we still do, but there is something really special about recording them and putting them out into the world, you know, creating a record that one day we can look back on, that maybe our kids can look back on, and could potentially go further and wider than our sphere of influence just here at our home. For now, please enjoy this bonus episode. We have found our footing a little bit with all of these holidays and how to navigate really our secular parenting. So we really hope you enjoy this bonus episode. If you love it, please subscribe. And thank you again for doing your part for Count the Kicks. If you're ready, let's grow. Holy moly, Mary. I feel like the intro might be longer than the bonus episode. (laughs) I was up late last night having a little monologue with myself. Apparently. (laughs) Kevin just listened to the intro I recorded. So we'll talk about what we're going to talk about for eight minutes, and then we'll actually talk about it for four. (laughs) We just got back from a little lunch, and this is one of my days off, and Kevin works from home. So we're together and we had lunch and I was like, babe, let's go home. We'll record the podcast 10 minutes tops. 
<laughs> the little intro I recorded is like six. Mm-hmm. So I guess 15 minutes stops. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, happy Easter. It is the Thursday before Easter 2020. And when Kevin and I first got married, you know, we certainly didn't have these conversations about how we were going to manage the Easter bunny and Santa Claus and whatnot. But it just developed naturally. And I think we also got a little bit of good advice along the way. So we were going to pass that on to you. But um, I think a lot of what the holidays look like and what the holidays mean are based largely on your memory of the holiday. I certainly have a lot of memories of the way Easter went at my house. So I'm just curious what memories you have, Kevin, of Easter at your house. I actually think that we were on vacation a lot during Easter. Hmm. I think that was a main trip time for us because I remember waking up in like a motel room and my mom always had an Easter basket for us. Interesting. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. So my memories of Easter were are wonderful. I have a lot of awesome memories of family holidays together. Of course, there was a religious element because that's what my parents added into the holidays. And for Kevin and I, I wanted to extract all of those family traditions that I have such fond memories of and sort of leave behind the religious elements that I no longer identify with. So particularly for Easter, I remember there being a lot of magic around finding our Easter baskets and then also the family Easter meal where my mom's side of the family, which is large and Irish and Catholic, would all get together. And it was just a lot of cousins playing and a long party that went all afternoon and evening. And then you would drive home late at night and just had tons of candy with you and all these memories from being with your cousins and that's what I wanted to create for our family. So did you, do you remember when you knew the Easter Bunny wasn't real, Kevin? Um, I don't know if I ever believed the Easter Bunny was real. Yeah. I mean, he kind of always looked like it was a creepy guy in a full body costume. <laughs> it's tough to pull that off. Like yeah. Sam, uh, Santa might be a little bit more believable. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure when I realized the Easter Bunny wasn't real. I I do think I thought the Easter Bunny was real at some point. And then before I knew Santa wasn't real, I realized the Easter Bunny was make-believe. But we have taken a stance early on with our kids of just being honest with them. And it really wasn't the fact that telling our kids that the Easter Bunny is real feels like this huge lie that's going to scar them when they find out he's not real. But it's more that not being honest up front just seemed to muddy the waters. Like There was no reason that we needed to pretend like the Easter Bunny was real because there's so much magic in a holiday, regardless of whether our kids who are seven, five, and three absolutely believe that the Easter Bunny is real. Yeah. I also think that by believing in or letting them believe in this fictitious third party, I think it removes a lot of the opportunity for gratitude and appreciation and kind of service too. So by just being upfront, like, mommy and daddy are pretending to be the Easter bunny, it shows them how committed we are to like doing this fun gesture and how much it's kind of fun to play and pretend and imagine in a really deliberate way. And you can see how happy they are as a result of that. Yeah. Yeah. Any sort of loss that we thought our kids might feel was just a projection of our own experience of loss, I think, because 
Um, I got the advice early on that kids love to play pretend. That's the number one thing they're good at is their imagination and playing pretend. And when your parents play pretend with you, I mean, there's nothing better. Our kids constantly are asking us to play pretend with them. So the fact that a couple times a year or a number of times a year, mommy and daddy play pretend and mommy and daddy play the Easter Bunny gives our kids such joy and excitement. So what we like to do is just drag out the magic, like make it longer, make it more fun by talking about it for a buildup of time before actual Easter. And our kids just eat this up. And so I think that's why we wanted to share is just letting go of the idea that your kids are going to hurt because they don't believe in the Easter Bunny and trusting that your kid's imagination is going to allow them to find the magic in the holiday because the magic is a family being together, enjoying this buildup of excitement and then potentially a family meal and, you know, some traditions that you have incorporated into your celebrations. Yeah, I think the big thing, too, is these fictitious characters, it lets them be a part of it, too. Yeah. And you can see their excitement and sharing and all this. And then they want to participate in a giving role and not just a receiving role as well, which is really kind of fun and exciting to see. Yeah. So, for example, in our family, we have a front entry that has a antique wooden bowl from Kevin that we fill with seasonal decor. And so about three weeks before Easter, I swap out the pine cones from winter Christmas and put in some faux little tulip heads and then a whole bunch of Easter eggs that are stuffed with candy. And some of them have little pom-poms in them, like the fuzzy pom-poms. And so pipe cleaners. At, this year it was pipe cleaners because so it didn't have pom-poms and certainly... I'm using what I have. But then our kids every day, you know, for a couple weeks now have gotten up and they each get to pick an egg. And if it has a pipe cleaner in it, then they get to pick out a larger prize that I have previously purchased from the dollar store. And, you know, just little trinkets, silly putty and Play-Doh and little squishy toys and things that break in five seconds. But, you know, it's really exciting to get something new. And so doing that for the past couple weeks every morning has just created so much excitement and so much conversation in our household that is fun and anticipatory. And that's the magic. That's the magic of the holiday of a family being together and doing this thing together. And then you know, we'll find our kids throughout the past couple of weeks playing Easter egg hunt with each other. And they're filling these eggs with random things around the house and giving each other their own Easter egg hunts and organizing this. So it's just created another way for them to play. And then on Easter morning, we've actually never done this before, but our kids are now old enough that we are going to hide Easter baskets. So they each have an Easter basket reasonable for each year, which is a memory that I had. I had a particular Easter basket for my entire childhood. And my parents would fill it with candy or knickknacks and whatnot and then hide it. And that was like the very exciting thing to do Easter morning. And so we're going to try that for the first time this year. And then we are going to have a family meal, which... Every year we have been able to go over to my mother-in-law's house. This year we're going to go over to a park in our neighborhood. Our, my mother-in-law lives close. So we're going to all go to a park and my parents will be there and Kevin's parents and some extended family and just do the traditional dinner there. Yeah. My mother also really loves to um, make a big Easter egg hunt in her yard for the kids too. That's you know, very elaborate and extensive, typically covers both front and backyard. Yeah. But she's going to trans transition that to a park this year. So our kids are very concerned that we find a park that is desolate. 
<laughs> so they're not fighting other children who may stumble upon an egg. Yeah, I heard them talking about that the other day. Yeah, so those are the traditions that we have. And honestly, our kids remember a lot of years past. They remember Kevin's mom's Easter egg hunt. And they remember the Easter egg bowl in our front entry and getting to pick out eggs in the morning. And we have had very, very few questions about the actual Easter bunny. As we've gotten closer, they've started to ask, you know, when does the Easter bunny come and who's the Easter bunny? And despite Kevin and I's language only ever encompassing things like the Easter Bunny's mommy and daddy, and we're so excited to play Easter Bunny for you, and it's such a fun thing for mommy and daddy to get to do, they still have questions. And I think just the cultural inundation of the Easter Bunny and, of course, Santa Claus gets to them even when at home there's a different message. And so we just keep reiterating it. And every time they're like, oh, yeah, okay, there's no sadness or crying or I can't believe this. Um, I have had to navigate a little bit of, you know, Johnny thinks the Easter Bunny's real, and now my seven-year-old's asking me what to do because Johnny thinks the Easter Bunny's real at school, and what should he say? And so the response I've come up with is, parents like to play Easter Bunny in different ways. So some parents tell their kids that the Easter Bunny is real, and that's how their family plays Easter Bunny, and our family knows that the Easter Bunny is mommy and daddy in this instance, and that's how we play Easter. And so it's not our job to tell Johnny what's real or not real, that his parents will do that. And our son is like, okay, that sounds good. He stopped listening, actually. (laughs) Sometimes it does feel like they've stopped listening because I've got a great response Uh and it's like too many words. But overall, it's just been easier. I think it's been easier than we anticipated. And some of the loss and the hurt is just from Kevin and I thinking that they're going to feel lost and hurt, and they just don't. Like, they're just super excited about doing anything as a family. Right. Well, I think it's just like the cultural norms and expectations, and whenever you divert from them, it's just, you know, a strong feeling of, is this right or wrong? Yeah. Yeah. So we just wanted to share our method and our idea behind Easter and the Easter Bunny and hope it helps. We are looking forward to all of our traditions as we approach Easter this Sunday. We hope that you get to be with your loved ones and have your Easter traditions, whatever those look like. So if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share it with a friend. Tell them why you loved it and be looking out for our regular episode, which will be now in a week. All right. Happy Easter. Happy. Oh. All right. Happy Happy Easter, Easter, everyone. Ever onward.